19 years ago yesterday was Game 5 of the American League Championship Series. It was the second of the four games in a row the Red Sox won over the Yankees to have that stunning comeback, and they eventually wouldn't lose again as they swept the World Series in four straight games to break that 86-year curse. Game 5 was significant. How significant? Well, our friend, local author John Vampatella, has written a book called The Forgotten Game, Game 5, 2004, ALCS, Yankees at Red Sox. John, good to have you back on again. We did an interview with you a couple months ago about another book you wrote called The 53rd Man, but let's talk about The Forgotten Game. Tell me about the book and why Game 5 of the 2004 ALCS needed a book written about it. Well, good morning, Wayne. How are you doing this morning? I'm good because I like talking about this. Oh, man, don't you? Especially after the season that the Red Sox just had. Isn't it great to go back to a time when they were actually good? Uh, why did I write a book about Game 5? Well, uh, I had actually always wanted to write a book just in general. And when I started thinking about what topics, I thought, you know, I want to do a baseball book because baseball is just one of the, the loves of my life ever since I was a kid. And I thought, what what hasn't really been done? There's been books about athletes. There's been books about teams. There's been books about seasons. But I never really saw a book written about a singular game. And I thought, boy, could you really do a deep dive into one game and make it interesting? And I thought, well, the game itself has to be interesting. And I thought, as a Red Sox fan, uh, that whole 2004 postseason run, of course, was so significant because, it, as you had mentioned earlier on the air, it, it broke that 86-year curse. You know, having grown up as a kid and never seeing the Red Sox win it all, having seen them come close and close and close and never get over the hump, yeah, of course, that's the season that really resonates with me. And I thought, you know, everyone remembers – Game four because of the Dave Roberts feel. Everyone remembers game six because of Schilling's bloody sock. And of course, everyone remembers game seven when they, you know, finally got over the hump Yankees. But game five. Let me back up a second. You know, I remember about game seven. <laughs> Joe Castiglione's call. Grand slam, Johnny Damon. <laughs> Yeah. That's my member of Game 7, which ended up being the clincher to put him in the World Series. Yeah, well, that game, Damon went, uh, even uh, Joe Buck said uh, on Fox, he said, you know, Johnny Damon's going off because he had two homers in that game. He didn't have a great series up till that point, and so he had a monster game, uh, Game 7. Um, but but Game 5 kind of got lost in the shuffle. There was, it just gets surrounded by other amazing moments. But I think that Game 5 not only was the best game of the series, it was one of the great baseball games ever to be played for a whole host of reasons. And I thought, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go after that game. And when I spent the time to rewatch it and rewatch it, I must have rewatched it a dozen times, uh, I still got tense. Uh, it was still, like, incredible to me to watch, even though I obviously knew the outcome and I knew what was going to happen in every situation. Uh, it was gripping theater every time I rewatched the game in preparation for this book. Let me throw this one at you. Have Yankee fans read this book? And if so, what's their reaction? Yeah, I had a couple of Yankee friends read it uh, for review, just you know, to give me a sense of my my treating this game fairly, my two, you know, Red Sox biased, and and they said, of course, it was it was painful to read, um, but 
they thought it was a, certainly a fair treatment of the game, and I gave the Yankee players their due credit because it was, they did an incredible job too, and and uh, they felt like it was a it was a I did a good job staying fairly neutral, but of course they didn't they didn't like reading about the game. It just brought up all these all these uh, you know bad memories. And for me, one of the reasons I really love that the Sox came back and 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 got over the hump in in such spectacular fashion is because I thought you know in every professional sport where they have playoff series that are best of seven and a team falls behind 3-0 they're always going to bring this up so this will be one of those things like you probably don't remember who won the 1985 world series like most people couldn't remember even a champion but you remember this you remember that they came back from 3-0 down and it will forever be talked about so as a Sox fan i love it yankee fans don't like that quite as much on Game 4, the Dave Roberts stolen base game, Mariano Rivera blew the save. Game 5, the one that your book is about, Mariano Rivera blew the save. Each time the Yankees had a late lead and they couldn't put it away. And one thing I really was intrigued by, the way you laid the book out, Red Sox won Game 5 in 14 innings. And your chapters in the book are pregame and then the first inning, chapter one, the first inning, chapter two, the second inning, right through chapter 13, the 13th inning, chapter 14, the 14th inning, and then postgame. I think that's a brilliant layout, John. Oh, thanks. It was, I just thought I'm just going to take him through the game, basically pitch by pitch. And of course, in there, I include a ton of other material. I, I, I talk about the trade of Alex Rodriguez to the Red Sox in the previous offseason. If you remember the Red Sox, yeah, of course we remember the Red Sox lost in seven to the Yankees in the 2003 ALCS. And uh, the Red Sox had tried to make some major moves to uh, revamp the team. And, and they'd actually traded for Alex Rodriguez from the Rangers. And the, he was willing to take a pay cut even to join the Red Sox, which a lot of fans give him a lot of grief. Uh, because he was a Yankee and they hate him. And I'm like, you know, they really shouldn't hate him. He was willing to take a pay cut to accept the trade to come to the Red Sox. And the, the Major League Baseball Players Association rejected the trade because they didn't like the idea of a superstar taking a pay cut. And they, they wondered, you know, how would that affect future salaries and all that. So he was almost on the Red Sox. But, uh, yeah, coming off that 2003... By the way, that contract was written, too. It just never got executed. Right, right, right. And so, so I mean, it was, it was a done deal, and uh, it was a major trade. So, yeah, it was, it, was, uh, it was fun to lay out the book this way because, you know, you're taking it pitch by pitch by pitch, uh, but including a lot of other things that I think most baseball fans, and certainly uh, if you have an affinity for the Red Sox or Yankees, would find very interesting. All right, so let's break it down here. Talk about some of the key moments in that game besides David Ortiz sending everybody home five hours and 49 minutes later. Right. I, I think um, one of the big moments early on, well, I guess it wasn't really early on. Um, it was in the sixth inning. Uh, Pedro is pitching, and uh, he was having a pretty good game. And Derek Jeter came up, and the two of them were squaring off two legends. Jeter hits a three-run double to give the Yankees the lead. And at that point, you're thinking, oh, that was, the, that was it. That was the moment, and the Yankees have done it again. Uh, the Red Sox fought back. Um, in the eighth inning, the Yankees had a chance to extend the lead, and uh, they were in a situation where Jeter was up again. Uh, they had a leadoff double. Jeter comes up, and they're trying to figure out, do we bunt, try to bunt the runner over to third, or do we just let him swing away? And I actually 
spend a little bit of time talking about in the book, talking about the the advanced metrics of run expectancy when teams bunt. So there's a little bit of geeky nerd, you know, baseball stuff there too. If you if you're that kind of person, uh, it didn't work out. Red Sox get out of the inning in the uh, in the ninth. Uh, of course, uh, we had well in the eighth, bottom of the eighth. Ortiz hits a homer off Tom Gordon, former Red Sox reliever. That that kind of gave them life. It, it brought it to a run-run uh, deficit. Red Sox ended up tying it up. I think one of the big moments was in the uh, the top half of the – oh, gosh, now I'm blanking. Um, I think it was the ninth inning when Tony Clark came up, and he had been terrible with the Red Sox uh, the previous year. He goes to the Yankees. And he's in a big spot, and he hits a, a line shot down the right field line with a runner at first base. And that low right field wall, right by the pesky pole, um, it hits the ground, bounces off the top of the wall into the stands for a ground rule double. If it had stayed in the park, Ruben Sierra of, of the Yankees would have, would have come around and scored, and the Yankees almost certainly would have won the game. But because it's, it bounced into the stands, it was a ground rule double, and Sierra couldn't score, and it, it allowed the Red Sox to survive the moment. I remember that thinking at that point, that's the first time I remember ever in a Red Sox-Yankees playoff game or big moment that the Red Sox got a break. Because in the past, that definitely would have stayed in play. The Yankees would have scored, and the game would have been over. And uh, It was the first time I remember the Red Sox, wow, they, they, something went their way. And I thought, maybe, just maybe, this is going to happen. And then in the extra innings, there was all kinds of scoring opportunities until the 14th inning when they finally did score. Right, and 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 big moments uh, all throughout that those those incredibly tense. I mean, you remember watching it; those incredibly tense moments. Uh, the 13th inning was probably the I describe it as like the biggest white knuckle roller coaster ride I've ever been on as a baseball fan. Tim Wakefield was in the game, and his knuckleball was really moving really moving on that night. And Jason Veritek, who didn't normally catch him, was, was there behind the plate, and he could not handle the knuckleball. And there were three pass balls, and, and it, it was just you were just waiting for the moment that the Red Sox were going to lose on a pass ball. And somehow Wakefield got out of that inning, and that led to the Red Sox heroics um, in the bottom of the, of the 14th and inning later. All right, so let's talk about the bottom of the 14th inning. How did that inning play out? Well, in the 14th inning, uh, you had uh, it was a it was a tie game, of course, and uh, Mark Bellhorn led off against Esteban Loaiza, who was basically the last pitcher in the Yankee bullpen. It was it was basically he they were going to ride him until the, the game was over, one way or the other. Um, he struck out. Johnny Damon came up, drew a walk, which was key because Damon had really good speed. And you're thinking if he's at first, any ball into the gap could probably score him. Orlando Cabrera, who had, Red Sox had picked up in a trade uh, at the trade deadline, struck out. So there were two away. Manny Ramirez, one of my favorite you know, personalities ever to come along the Red Sox, walks. And, and, that, and that put Damon uh, at the second base. And again, now you're in a position where any, any hit of any kind can score the run. And it's a good thing Damon was on base because he's pretty fast, or he was a pretty fast player. Um, but on a 2-2 on a count, on the 10th pitch of the at-bat is when David Ortiz uh, hit that. You know, it, it's listed in the books as a line drive, and it was, but it was kind of more of a softer line drive. It definitely wasn't a bullet, but it was enough to get 
came and home uh, for the winning run. And Fenway just absolutely erupted. The game was almost six hours long. And at that point, you know, nobody had left the park. And the place was just rocking as uh, Damon, you know, came home. And, and Buck's like, you can just keep on running to New York. And uh, then you thought, you know what, they might be able to do this. They might be able to pull this off. And they had to pull it off with two wins on the road at Yankee Stadium in Game 6 and Game 7. Today is the anniversary of Game 6. Yesterday was the anniversary of Game 5. And I was thinking about it, especially after reading the great book that you wrote called The Forgotten Game by John Vampatella, about the role that Kevin Millar played in that Red Sox comeback. He was such a free spirit one of the idiots, Johnny Damon, another one of the idiots, but he really helped keep that team loose. He really was a character. And even now, if you watch him, he occasionally does games on TV for the Red Sox. He is still a character. And, and I think that team had enough of those guys that they were not phased by being down 3-0. Uh, you may recall after Game 3 going into Game 4, most Red Sox fans were pretty despondent because after Game 3, I mean, they, they got pounded in Game 3, and you thought, oh, my gosh, the Yankees are just taking them out to the woodshed. But Millar never really lost confidence. Now, I don't know if this was just bravado or if he really felt this way, but he said, don't let us win tonight. Don't let us win tonight. Because he thought, you know, hey, if we, got, if we win tonight, we got uh, Pedro going in Game 5, and then Schilling going in Game 6, and in Game 7, anything can happen. And that's actually exactly what happened. They, they somehow managed to scrape out a win in Game 4, which most people may have thought was inconsequential, whatever. They, now they're going to get you know, beaten in five games. Uh, but, then, but then Pedro you know, helps them get the win in Game 5, uh, and then Schilling does an incredible job in Game 6, and then sure enough, crazy things happen in Game 7. So... Millar was really just the right personality for that team in that moment, especially when they could have tightened up, they could have packed it in emotionally and mentally, and he just kind of kept them, kept them high and kept, um, kept the optimism. Let me make a parallel to UConn men's basketball. It was like Khaled El Amin was just the right character to provide the right chemistry for that 99 team that went on to win the national championship. He'd been a member of the 98 team as well, but I thought El Amin was really a difference maker with that first championship team. And speaking of Millar, it was his walk in game four that put him on base, and then Dave Roberts ran for him, stolen base, and the rest is history. And, you know, this isn't just play-by-play of what happened in game five of the 2004 ALCS. You get into some philosophical discussions, including a long discussion on who's the best pitcher of all time. Give us a clue. Oh, you want me to give, you, give away the answer? Yeah. Because, I mean, you can give the short answer here, and people can read the long answer in the book, John. Yeah, it's a really, it's a really fun discussion. Uh, this is the kind of discussion that, that sports fans have all the time. Who's the greatest? You know, who's this? I make the argument, because he's pitching in the game, uh, that Pedro Martinez, at his peak, uh, that there was never a better pitcher in the history of Major League Baseball. Now, he did not have the, the longevity that some other guys had. He... he uh, pitched in an era where he didn't throw as many innings as Nolan Ryan did or, you know, Tom Seaver did. But but at his best, statistically, nobody was ever better than Pedro Martinez. And the numbers really back that up, uh, especially when you account for the era in which he pitched, uh, the steroid era, uh, a hitter's world for sure, when guys are hitting 60 home runs left and right. 
what he did was off the charts remarkable. And uh, even though he never threw a no hitter, an official no hitter, well, you might think, oh, at his best, Nolan Ryan was the best ever because he threw seven no hitters. But I'm talking about over a four or five year period. Uh, Pedro Martinez was the best pitcher to ever come down the pike in Major League Baseball. John, if people don't steal my inscribed copy of The Forgotten Game, Game 5, 2004 ALCS, where can they get a copy of the book? Well, you can certainly find it on Amazon.com, uh, or if you want to go to my personal webpage, johnvampatella.com, uh, I'm offering to sell. That's the only place you can go to get an autographed copy, because uh, I can't get you an autographed copy if you buy it off Amazon. Well, it's a great read, and it's fun to recap what went on back in 2004 in the ALCS, especially the Forgotten Game, Game 5 of the 2004 ALCS between the Yankees and the Red Sox. I'll give you a clue the Red Sox won. John, great to talk to you again, and I can talk about this game and that ALCS all year long. Thanks for joining me this morning. Hey, good morning. Thanks, Wayne. Appreciate it. John Vampatella, the author of The Forgotten Game, on 14 WILI Willimannic and 95.3 FM.